Have I come back from the toilet to you guys going really, really into like details that aren't quite necessary? <laughs> yeah, so yes. we're talking about how um, we're talking about Mr. Blobby appearing in. Do you remember his cameo? In yeah, well, if you say Mr. Blobby three times, <laughs> Noel Edmonds punches you in the uh, in the cunt. So don't yeah, go. don't. <laughs> Good to know. But if you say it four times, Noel Edmonds appears, you get to punch him and call him a cunt. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So who's the real victim? How quickly do you have to say it the full time? <laughs> really quickly. because No a one has bugger. ever done this. and I've He's a slippery, spooky, astral projection-y bugger as old Noel. He is, yeah. He's the rogue, <laughs> he's the rogue BG and he's got some kind of special powers. He's got a vendetta. <laughs> Yeah. So actually what you're saying is the demon in Insidious is just Noel Edmonds in drag. Mm. Yeah. The demon in all films is Noel Edmonds. Every, anytime Noel Edmonds. there's a demon and then in, in the film Demons it's just all the it's multiple it's just Noel, Noel Edmondses. <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm watching tonight after we finish recording. <laughs> Noel's <Yeah>. house party. <laughs> <laughs> On Devil Times 5 this month, we've got Brooklyn Vampires, Evil Extensions, Pervy Puppets, and of course, Candymen, as we look at so-called black horror movies. It might be the end of December, but we say fuck a white Christmas. This is black horror. This is episode 60 of the Devil Times 5 horror podcast. I'm Cliff. I'm joined by Luke, Bryony, and Emily, and we are arguably the wrong people to talk about such a potentially sensitive topic. Hello, guys, and how are you anyway? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, great. I did wonder who you were going to get involved for this. It was like, Oh, okay, we could. <laughs> well, fortunately, <laughs> here to guide us through how racial issues have influenced the films we're talking about today is a guest devil who's more than qualified to do so. She's a playwright, theatrical director, and producer, and visual arts curator who works in and writes about the horror genre. She's very possibly the most intelligent guest we've ever had on here, and we've had Robin Ince on. Please welcome Sampira. Hello. Hello. So, Sampira, it looks like you've had a pretty productive 2021, especially around Halloween. Yes, Halloween was amazing. I mean, I hope that in a few years' time, it will just be in the arts that, like, horror happens all year round. <laughs> it's not just, like, an October <laughs> thing. But, yeah, October yeah. was really, really busy, but it was really good. Well, we're here all year round, of course, and let's get things underway for the last time this year with our highs and lows of horror viewing in recent weeks. Emily, you can start. Oh, God. I've not watched much horror, but I have done my usual Christmas comfort horror viewing, so I watched Gremlins again, um, which I guess could be my highlight because um, it's great. It's Gremlins. Um, uh -huh. And... Um, um, my low light, I guess, would be Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, mm. if only because it's just the first film again. It is a lot of fun, though. So this is one of those ones where I guess put something as a low and then go, yeah, but I really enjoyed it. But then I might be slightly wrong. It's a bit shit. It's very shit. But I do enjoy his his mad eyebrow acting. The fact that the, <laughs> the madder he gets before he even says anything, he's just doing the eyebrows. And how he recollects everything as an infant. Yes, exactly. <laughs> everything happening outside the car as an infant, he recollects perfectly. Yeah, yeah, it's cheesy fun. And it doesn't really get particularly Christmassy again, apart from the flashbacks, until the end where you have the, the weird stuff where he kills the Mother Superior. And that, that seems actually quite mental and good. But when it comes to Christmas horrors, I am very much just kind of like, is there a killer Santa in it? Brilliant. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Bryony. Hello. Um, I'm conflicted about my low this month because uh, the, it, it's, um, it's Prisoners of Ghostland. And um, mm. I, I really enjoyed it in a sort of this is really terrible way, but it's, it's Nick Cage. He says testicle in like a really great way. 
Like it's glorious how he pronounces testicle. How do, how does he say it like that? Testicle. <laughs> is it as good as the way that he says alpacas in um, Color Out of Space? Because I've different. not seen Color Out of Space. How does he These say are alpacas. <laughs> alpacas. <laughs> no, he's, he's, there's a bit where he's just. I mean, it's on YouTube. Just um, Google Nick Cage testicle. Are you sure that's what would come up? Google Nick Cage. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yes. I almost said Nick Cave testicle. Nick which... Cave's testicle. <laughs> Whose testicles do you think you're more likely to be able to Google readily? Nick Cave. <laughs> Actually, no, that's true. I reckon both Nicks are slightly too classy to be one of those people that would do a oh, look at my testicles video. Yeah. I agree. Unless it happened yeah, by accident due to a trouser malfunction. <laughs> I reckon back in his Jack the Knife days, <laughs> Nick Cave was yeah. like, cool. Yeah, Nick, Nick Cage is more of a testicle. Oh, absolutely. Know um, your Nicks. It's mad. <laughs> Away from balls. Um, it's a mad film, and it's it's everything I love on paper, and it's got um Bill Mosley in it, who I always really enjoy watching, even in Rob Zombie stuff. But uh, it falls flat a little bit, and it gets boring, and it shouldn't be boring. Oh. Um, but I'm an uncultured swine. I've not seen the director's other efforts, but apparently they're much um better. Yeah, they are. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Sean Sono is a great director, but this one has not gone down well. No, no one's enjoyed it. How that? Well, I love reading the Amazon reviews because they're all just like, "Bro, I was expecting a good film. This is obviously so boring." <laughs> So boring, <laughs> um, but it looks great. But um, it's not Nick Cage's, uh, Nick, yeah, Nick Cage's best effort. Um, and yeah, again, it's been Christmas, so I've been watching, you know, the the comfort things. Uh, I watched Nightmare Before Christmas, which I haven't watched in ages. I know oh, it's not strictly a horror. Yeah, I didn't watch it for so long because it reminded me of like emo girls I went to school with with the stripy tights and like no personality. <laughs> and they so, always had that like shoulder bag. Yeah, that had, like Jack Skeleton. <laughs> and they're like, oh my god, Danny and Jack, love Lenny. Yeah. Yeah. It's like mm. <laughs> not really. They have fuck all in common. Um, yeah. Other than being Halloweeny, but it was a nice, nice little film to watch over the Christmas period. And it's my eyes either that or watching Steps, uh, the tour <laughs> video, which I went around Cliff's house and he's got. That's not horror. No, it's not horror. All. It was quite horrifying, uh, mostly because you know the most you recent around... Steps tour that got cancelled because of COVID might count as horror. There you go. Yeah, yeah. just just H in a room. Rocking back and forth gently, going, yeah, going why? <laughs> if there's any horror in the Steps live Blu-ray, it's, it's whenever uh, you get a shot of Lee Latchford <laughs> Evans wondering what he's doing there because they Aww. barely give him anything to do. Aww. I mean, he has that talking bit in Five, Six, Seven, Eight. That's his moment yeah. to shine. But I mean, the horror, moment. the horror came from just like going around Cliff's house on Christmas Day for cocktails, and he's got wall-to-wall horror DVDs and then out of nowhere, without any announcement, just Steps goes in the Blu-ray player. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Steps or Nightmare Before Christmas and Prisoners of Ghostlands are some films I've watched. Good, Luke. Bryony did an animated film for a high, so uh, it's a film I watched twice this month. It's got horror elements to it. Uh, Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Yay! Excellent. I love that film. I haven't watched much horror this month, and that's the film that I've watched twice this month. And you know, it's got (laughs) an American Werewolf in London references. It's just got so many good horror references, and it's... It's a good stop motion <laughs> animation. <laughs> so yeah, that's my high. I'm, I'm okay. looks very happy about that being my high. I, I just now. can't stand Wallace and Gromit. I find them just insufferably uh, twee. Yeah. yeah, he loves Atrium Steps, but he hates Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, that's where yeah, he draws the line. He's yeah. fine with Steps, but he draws very the line at Wallace that. and Gromit. <laughs> um, and then my low is uh, Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City, which uh, is the. Oh. The prequel, um, but it's set in 1998, and it's set during the first and the second game. 
Um, and it's annoying because they do exact scenes from the game, and like it's got the look and the feel of the game, but then it's just not fun. Like it's a really, really dull movie. Oh. And I, it's the first film in a long time where I've been sat in the cinema looking at my watch more than I have with any you other film. Went to the cinema to see this. Yeah, there was three other people in the cinema. Oh. And yeah, and I think my experience got ruined even more because the start of the film is like really silent. Some guy just decided to open up a packet of crisps and start crunching them at the oh. start of the film. And I was like, this is ruining this even more. Yeah, I'm sure I've said it before. But the first 10, 15 minutes of any cinema experience are, are just me sitting there seething, going, why <laughs> is the start of the film your cue to have a picnic? You. Fucking <laughs> there have been 25 minutes of trailers yeah. Yeah. exactly yeah. Them drawing that. exactly I went to the cinema once with this guy and he brought a selection of dips <laughs> and he made us sit with a seat between us so he could put the dips on the seat okay. did he buy anything to go in the dips <laughs> he bought some shit nachos but he also brought like he just like, kept bringing out olives and stuff like, he, didn't, he didn't make a hole in the bottom of one of the dips, did he? And then... No, he didn't. And the thing is, it wasn't like we received something classy. It was um, Central Intelligence with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Just... Oh, nice. Yeah, very and, nice. And Kevin Hart. And Kevin Hart. Kevin of Smallman Hart. That film is high art in some way. <laughs> that. that film deserves Waitrose dips. What ways yeah. is it high art? I just think it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just like that film. Uh, Sam your highs and lows. One of the highs, have you seen The Nightingale? Yeah. It's, it's quite a heavy, heavy, heavy film. Tapping into an area of colonial history that we don't really talk about. Because we don't really talk about what happened in Australia. It's it's mm. either like America or the UK. Brilliant, brilliant actors. I really, really like that. But that's like a tough watch. Yes, but the second time I watched it, I realised it's quite like an 80s buddy cop movie. Yes, it is, the, yeah. In the most extreme circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> Same art. In that, like, there's a sort of can't be arsed with this white woman teamed up um, against yeah. her will with a streetwise or, you know, yeah. woodlandwise black guy. And they have to, you know, fight off the baddies. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that was the high for me. I really, really enjoyed that. My low, and no shade to him at all, but like I watched Rob Zombie's Halloween, Ugh. and I, yeah, I didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like it. But do you know what it was? I think I was kind of tainted a bit before I watched it, which I think kind of influenced the thing because I saw a few interviews that he did like on the press junket, and he was kind of like shitting on the whole franchise, and I was just like, but are you not? like part of this franchise now and if you don't want to do it there's like loads of other people that would love to do a halloween film but yeah it was just i just didn't like it but then there was it might even still be on youtube somebody did a fan cut and like yeah. i think cut like 20 25 minutes out of the film and like smoothed it all together and it's actually really good like it's amazing so there's actually potentially like a really good film there but they've just like yeah they've just cut all the unnecessary shit they out just of cut it out all of everyone going like oh you fucking cunt bitch yeah they have get rid of that and then there's a film yeah my half star review of Halloween on my letterbox is one of my <laughs> most popular reviews <laughs> so I went to the Soho Horror Festival uh, at the end of November seems like ages ago now and my high and low are both from that the high slumber party massacre which i think luke did you have that as your high yeah, last that month? was my high last month yeah. yeah it's really clever the way that they play with the premise from the 80s and twist it around and do loads of different tones of comedy with it at one point it just tips into outright parody and spoofage but whatever it was doing it took me along with it every step of the way i loved it uh, and my low 
is a film called The Scary of 61st, which is, right, get this. It's about two young women who uh, rent an apartment in New York, which they then discover used to be owned by Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, for fuck's sake. I've heard about this and I've also heard it's not good. I wish I'd never heard of this. Please carry on. One of the women gets kind of possessed by the spirit of one of Epstein's or possibly Prince Andrew's victims <laughs> and becomes obsessed with Prince Andrew and rubs photos of him against her crotch and has fantasies about him. And the reason this film's so bad isn't even the premise. I reckon if you would actually put your mind to it, this could work. The thing is, it's just so sloppy. It feels like it was just tossed off in a couple of weeks, like first draft script. The satire is just pathetic. It doesn't work at all. Oh, it no. is awful. It's just so badly done with such an interesting but awful premise. Did you have a shower afterwards? Was it one of those films? It was uh, having a lot of whiskey afterwards. <laughs> a lot of whiskey and some baby wipes. <laughs> oh, just, oh, no. Just, like... Uh, no, I know these film festivals are, you know, where shit films go to be seen once, but like, for fuck's sake, really? Was that really necessary? Just do another Puppet Master about Nazis. It's fine. <laughs> there are hints that it's supposed to be um, kind of Rosemary's Baby homage, kind of. Oh, fuck off, mm. was it? Because, like, you know, obviously Roman Polanski, a rapist. Um, yeah, as well as yeah. yeah. So, so, like, the, the title font is all very Rosemary's Baby. And I mean, uh, who, was it directed by a paedophile? Because then that would, like, make sense, really, get, like, commit to the theme. Mm. Not unless Dasha Necrosova has a secret mm. that she doesn't want you to know. I would like I to know. see Prince Andrew's reaction to it, though. Could they not, like, send him a screener and then... <laughs> and then film him watching it? And yeah. Broadcast yeah. It yeah. yeah. Eye out, eye out for the beads of sweat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's one point where um, the women cross paths with Elaine Maxwell, which I thought was... Yeah. It's, ah! it's topical, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. Uh, right then, let's move on to this month's theme of black horror movies. And our first feature is Bill Gunn's 1973 vampire oddity, Ganja and Hess. The only perversions that can be comfortably condemned are the perversions of others. I will persist and survive without God's or society's sanction. I will not be tortured. I will not be punished. I will not be guilty. Blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for thee, preserve thee body and soul for everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for thee. Be thankful. He's not a criminal. He's a victim. The apparently respectable Dr. Hess is actually a serial killing vampire, but can he keep his secrets from his dead colleague's wife, Ganja, once they start an affair? Um, that trailer is actually pretty good at getting across the film's weird atmosphere, I think. Um, Sampiri, you chose it as our first feature. I'm intrigued to your thoughts on it. Well, I love this film because it's from a time, obviously, it's from the black exploitation era, which is kind of complex because on one hand, 
the black exploitation films that were happening at the time in the whole industry was by black actors and black creative teams. I would argue probably more than there is now, but mm-hmm. there was still really harmful stereotypes being put onto screen, but people loved those films. And, and black people went to the cinemas in droves to escape. But then you had things like Black Healer coming out and stuff like that. So Bill Gunn was actually commissioned to make another Black Healer, essentially. That's what they wanted. They wanted another Black Healer that they could make really cheaply that would be as successful. And he was like, yeah, fine, that's fine. Took the budget and made this absolutely gorgeous, experimental, deep, human film, which really is some sort of allegory for addiction essentially, but also having black main characters that weren't pimps or prostitutes or whatever it was, or were in more like heightened professions, like anthropologists and scientists, just wasn't really heard of at the time. Yeah, they're a classy bunch, the characters in this. Um, I'm interested in Bill Gunn as a filmmaker, though, because it's it's amateurish. You say it's gorgeous, but it is quite amateurish, isn't it? Yeah, it is. A lot of the time it sounds like the wrong person's been mic'd up. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think technically, but I think artistically, I don't think it's amateurish at all. Um, and even the script, like, the script is a really beautifully written thing. But also, I do think this film was on a tight turnaround because mm. Black Healer came out, they saw how well it did, and then they, like, pushed to get a team together to go... We really want our own version of Dracula because we want to earn, we want to get in on this money. So I think it was also like a turnaround issue as well. Yeah, what I find interesting about it is they remind me of Daughters of Darkness and Martin. Mm. Like they've just got this kind of heady, woozy atmosphere. Well, it's, it's the setting as well, isn't it? They're in this gorgeous house full of gorgeous, like weird old things. So mm. it's such a sort of alien environment. Like I don't find myself in, mm. in beautiful sort of cabinet of curiosity houses like that. And just there's a lot of lounging around and you can definitely tell like it's, it's an ambitious film. Technically, it's a little bit shaky here and there, but you can see what he's, he's doing. For me, this was like a bit of a mixed bag, but I really like the the score like I think all the performances mm. are great I think the imagery a point it's like a very experimental film and like that final shot mm. and when it opened when the song started I was like where do I recognise this from and I remembered clipping did their um their mm. album was named after the yeah there existed an addiction to blood yeah mm-hmm. and then they used the actual song on their album in a Blood of the Thang. Yeah. But I, I enjoyed this. Uh, like the, I get you on some stuff looks a bit weird, but I think the imagery for when it goes very weird and that I think it works for it being experimental and for it being a vampire film, it feels quite different. It's not hammy. Like looking at it as a vampire yeah. film from that period, it's not hammy and like the way he dies is it's a beautiful shot. I never thought they'd take it so literally when he was explaining the shadow of the cross. It looks gorgeous. It looks like a sort of um art installation. Um, of him just like languishing on the chair with this big cross and the shadow going on him and him slowly dying. Spoilers, but um, that's how all vampire films end. Yeah, yeah. There's a cross like involved. Um, <laughs> and some sun. Yeah, but it looks like something that's been really thought out, but maybe there's not quite enough money for it. It feels a lot like a lot of my old art projects, and like the ideas were there, just <laughs> the effort and money were very lacking. In any of your art projects, did you improvise? A monologue about how someone couldn't say cock so they said cunt instead and did, <laughs> did, it, and did it go down as much of a storm as um george Mader's I mean, anecdote does when he tells it it's <laughs> like hess sits there completely fucking non what what was that <laughs> <laughs> 
But then, like, Ganja does an anecdote later about a bloke who hid drugs in a Johnny up his bum hole. That yeah. doesn't go down much better. Yeah. She goes on a lot of tangents, doesn't she, old Ganja? She's like, yeah. oh, I'm pretty. My mum said I'm pretty. Blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, so you upset your mum called you pretty? I'm not, where are you going with this, Ganja? Right, come on. <laughs> yeah. I like the the fact that the dialogue's like that, though. For all the kind of the arty kind of heightened stuff that happens, I like the fact that the dialogue's very kind of intimate. Because you know, you, you're at a party and you you know people do talk bollocks and oh, trauma bonding. Yeah, well, it's it's kind mm-hmm. of trauma bonding, but you will also get one person that's just like, why won't they get out of my house? <laughs> obviously, yeah. he's a very kind of internal kind of guy, so Hess isn't going to be like, yeah, fuck off, mate. And also, it's <laughs> the guy that he works with. But and then the conversations between him and Ganja, there's a real kind of intimacy there, even before they kind of become a couple. There's that real kind of you can see the sort of energy between the two of them, which I absolutely loved. I wanted to see this film for ages. It's been on my um, to watch this. It's actually quite hard to get hold of um, unless you yes, like by the by the blu-ray but i'm really glad that i finally seen it because i thought it was really really good but it also reminded me i mean i know that they're, all these films are kind of they've got their own unique weirdness but it reminded me of a lot of kind of 70s midnight movies something like holy mountain mm-hmm. i mean i know that's very different and that's very heightened and mm. etc but just the fact that what i'm saying is it's beautiful and it makes your head go a bit funny <laughs> In ways that you can't quite explain immediately when you've watched it. Um, but like a yeah. Wet then, cake underwater. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I absolutely loved it. And the, the use of sound is, is incredible. And um, I'm not surprised that Clipping used it. The music was written by the guy that plays the preacher slash driver, and he is Nina Simone's brother. Oh, really? Oh, is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Do we want an acting fact? Yeah, go on then. Hold on to your hat. Brian is acting fact. <laughs> um, he's also in Living Dead, isn't he? Oh, Dwayne Jones. Yeah, Dwayne yeah. Jones. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. my acting fact for this month. He was brilliant. He's, he's a phenomenal actor. But even Gander and Hesley, I think one of the like historically remarkable things about the film is that we may not have actually seen it in its original form. What happened was Bilbin finished the film, and the distribution company hated it because it was too deep it was too experimental they wanted like a really hypersexualized vampire couple movie with basically black people fucking on screen that's what they wanted and it's not what they got so they cut it down to try and shape this sort of like narrative that they wanted of like this this like hypersexualized couple that like lived out in the country and like killed people and or this thing, and they ended up releasing it and called it Blood Couple. Mm. And Bilgum was so upset and so angry that they butchered his film like that that he ended up taking his name off the film. So, had MoMA not found it, we might have just had this weird, choppy blood fuckfest. <laughs> like, and that would and, and that would have been it, yeah. I can imagine some of the things that they might have cut out, though. Like, yeah. you know, when. Um... You're watching a film and there's uh, something a bit dodgy in it and it's, there's a really dodgy scene that's going on for ages. And you think, mm. oh, this would be a really bad time for my other half to walk in the room. How am I going to explain this? <laughs> yeah. I was a bit like that watching this, the 20-minute gospel revival church scene. <laughs> oh, thinking, yes, yeah. Well, she's going to think I've gone Christian. <laughs> this scene is not ending. It's all about Jesus. What's going on? Has anyone seen the remake? Yes. Oh, uh, the Spike Lee remake, yeah. Mm. The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, um, it's pretty good. It's yeah. very cheap looking for him. Yes. Wasn't it crowdfunded or something? It was like a... I think so, yeah. yeah. I love this film and I'm just going to remake it whatever kind of thing. Yes, yes. Spike Lee did the weirdest crowdfunding where he was asking for money while he was in front of like a 
50-inch MacBook screen, <laughs> like just in, just behind him. And it's like the, the iMac that he was in front of cost like 10 grand, and he's just, asking just for money for his, yeah. uh, for his film. I was saying a 50-inch MacBook. Yeah. Maybe he wanted the money to buy a more portable laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Iron You don't know what it's like to be rich. It's too big. <laughs> Give me money. I cannot take this on the train. It's too big. For... No, that was, that was a good slightly impression, wasn't it? <laughs> I cannot take this on the train. <laughs> I walk off all the ticket guides and I got funny looks from the ticket man. I'm Spike Lee, watch my films, thank you. <laughs> Uncanny. I know, right? I'm a gifted woman. Gifted woman at yeah. impressions. Take that. But if you're after <laughs> more traditional black vampires, we're spoiled for choice with, among others, 1972's Blackula, 1990's Death by Temptation, 1995's Vampire in Brooklyn. Um, and certainly in Blackula, there is a clear link to the African-American experience and history because Blackula is the name given to Nigerian prince Mamawalde, uh, no predictive text, I didn't mean marmalade, thank you, uh, when actual Dracula transforms him because he objects to having been asked by the prince to cease slave trading. It's such a burn from Dracula to like go, no, I'm not stopping slavery, and also I'm going to call you Blackula. Mm, like, yeah. fuck you, Dracula. That's such a dick move. Yeah, put some, at least put some effort into the name. I'm beginning to think from all the films we've seen him in that Dracula isn't a very nice man. <laughs> <laughs> no. Whatever gives us that idea. <laughs> Gary Oldman Dracula's all right, apart from the stalking yeah, women. Yeah, he's all right. He sort of just moses around in his little satin dressing gown, bless him. <laughs> I would just mosey around and talk to people who look like my dead. But anyway, <laughs> um, Blackula. Yes, Blackula. Yeah, Blackula. This is quite a fun, cheesy film. I think the actor playing Blackula is one of these actors who. William Marshall. Um, he gives so much gravitas with very yeah. cheesy material, so he kind of elevates it. Well, it's his voice, isn't it? His voice yeah. is amazing. He permanently yeah. sounds like he's doing a voiceover. Yeah. It's like, yeah is this what it's like being Peter Dixon? <laughs> How would Blackula like phone up for a curry? Just like in a world without Indian food, Blackula wants an onion bhaji, a chicken tikka madras, and extra poppadums. Is that your attempt at gravitas? Yeah, it must be, must be hard work walking around with a voice like that. I liked Blackula. It was a good romp. Yeah, I do. A lot of the time I was just going, I like that outfit, I like that outfit. The lady in it's got awesome outfits. She's got that outfit yeah, at the start that's like the little, oh, little the coat little with the cape. cape. So she's good. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd look like someone's mad hippie granny in that, but on her it looks amazing. As much as it is sort of cheesy and funny and silly, it's still got like the moments of like, um, we're going to move to the suburbs next year or that's what we did last year or like or we can't like dig him up because he's a, he's in a white mortuary or he's in a white like so it's it's um it's got a good mix I think as a white girl from Surrey not born in the 70s it's <laughs> my two cents but you know you're watching it and you're like ah oh, this is hilarious this is like 70s like black exploitation so much yeah. fun the clothes the music it's a blackula what a pun. And then it's like... Yeah, they do get the social comment in there, which is, mm. which is cool. Yeah, Cliff, with you saying about the uh, the church bit that goes on for really long, Yeah. Um, there's a band that play a song for a good five minutes at one oh, point. Oh, I like oh, that. Yeah, they're, they're so good, good though. Yeah, oh. 
I love that. I love the again, love the outfits. Then they properly go for it as well. It's just like, yeah. And then the dancers turn into vampires, which I love because yeah, they they're still in their outfits. I think more films should have irrelevant musical interludes. Mm. Yeah, I miss. I I feel like nowadays, especially horror films, sometimes they take themselves a bit too seriously. I like that seventies um, and eighties films. Um, Do you know what? Had a had a charm in that way that they were a bit ridiculous and they were campy and they were fine with it, like they embraced it. Whereas by the time they got to the 90s, they had forgotten how to take themselves seriously and all <laughs> Hollywood yeah. horror films were just yeah. full of crap comedy, as we all get onto one later. Yeah. Uh, there was that really weird part of um, casual homophobia at one point that was yeah. really oh, out of yeah. place. That popped out of nowhere, weren't they? They all look alike. Yeah, I was wondering whose side the film is on when it comes to the, the homophobic attitudes. Are they like reinforcing them or satirising them? I couldn't tell. And is the whole point of those two designers being like the gayest people in the world just so that Blackula, Mamuelde, will have a um, funky cape to steal off them? It's an allegory about AIDS. <laughs> it's not, because it's no, not. It's not. No, it's not. I mean, I was yeah. trying to give it credit yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Also, I got to say AIDS in a vampire voice, so... Yeah. Good, yeah. Which, which we all needed in our lives. Yeah. I, yeah, I think Blackula's an interesting one because of the choice of the backstory. If you know his backstory with Dracula, then Blackula becomes quite complex because his oppressor has now put the curse that he is under on him. So now, in a way, like Blackula becomes a weird sort of oppressor. I mean, they don't really go into it much in the film, but I always thought that was a really interesting choice. Yeah, also, it does give him a reason to come to the modern age and look for a woman who looks like his dead wife. In the tradition. Well, that as well. <laughs> there, always needs to, <laughs> there always needs to be a dead wife. Like, always. Yeah. I love it. Um, I don't know, I was quite disappointed like that happened, because I'd never seen uh, Blackie before, and I was like, oh, he's going to like get revenge on, on Dracula for being a dick. Um, and Rwenge, then please, Rwenge. Rwenge. I nearly said Rwenge. I'm glad you picked up on that. Um, he's going to get Rwenge <laughs> on a vampire, on, on Dracula, on the vampire, for being a douchebag. And then it's like, no, he's in the 70s now. Bye. So yeah. Like, oh, that could have been a really interesting, like, Dracula versus Blackula. Blah. First blood. You need to copyright that, obviously, because somebody's going to make that film. Yes. And make millions and millions of pounds. I'll get on it, but as we said earlier, like I've got the ideas, but uh, the the passion and the effort <laughs> yeah. and the money. We also still need to make divorced dad vampires. Oh yeah, so. divorced dad vampires later. <laughs> Look at my cool leather jacket, kids. Dad, vampires aren't real. Uh, I'm not racist. I've got a black friend, and it's Blackula. It's a it's a combo crossover. <laughs> hey, uh, no, that was that was a spin-off idea that we had when watching John Carpenter's uh, Vampires, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I reckon that the end of the trailer would end with like the vampire dad covered in like vampire blood and the stake and he just meets up with his kids and goes bet you think your old man's pretty cool now huh and the kids no. go no, no not really no what i'm proposing is like guess he's coming for dinner but it's divorced dad vampire killer and blackula yes oh, excellent. Yeah. and I'm chaos ensues and the kids is like dad you're a massive racist yeah. and he's like no I'm not and then he does the thing that every dad in 90s movies does he does a rap yes and he's like I'm yeah. vampire divorced dad I'm here and I'm to here say, to say. <laughs> oh, and then he, he finishes by doing the folded arms thing and, <laughs> and nodding and yeah exactly 
and they go whirr and the cat's yeah. backwards <laughs> leslie nielsen's there joining in for some reason yes <laughs> well talking of talking of no. vampires <laughs> death by temptation from 1990 well it was just called temptation and then troma got their grubby hands on it and called it death by temptation mm. to make it sound all cool and hip-hoppy um which it isn't really James Bond III, the director, uh, who also appears in it. Thank you for clarifying. Well, he's he's no James Bond, the main one, is he? Well, no, because at the end he's like, James Bond, and then James Bond, his granddad. He's dedicated the film to his dad and his granddad and says, I'm the last one. I'm the last one. What the fuck kind of sentiment is that? Yeah. I need to know if there was a pegging scene happening or not. I'm still... I'm still confused by she that scene. She put something up her butt, yeah. Which scene? Up his butt, sorry. Where he says, like, oh, take it out, it hurts. I'm like, yeah. what? What's, well, because he what's is that? a... When she's, when she's behind him. He is a, a oh, gay man. yeah. He, he is um, a gay man, yeah. That's he's, established he's, earlier. He's a gay man yes. is established because he's like, I'm a gay man, but you can buy and me a like, yeah, okay, fellow gay man. He's a gay man. Yeah. Cool. yeah, they're all up for it in the bar. And um, she's like, I'm a sexy vampire. And he's like, mm, I could be gay man for you, man. Um, yes. <laughs> and then... <laughs> he makes a compromise. <laughs> He does make a compromise, but she's a sexy, she's a handsome woman. Um, yeah. So butt stuff occurs. But it's quite hard to tell what nature of butt stuff, though. Because yeah, I mean, it ends in bleeding and ripped apart and, you know, fissures and stuff. She had very long nails, so is that... It was it the nails? Happening? Was it? Was yeah. it a strap-on? Did she grow a dick? Bit of all three. <laughs> bit of all yeah, three. combination of all three. Whoa. No, no wonder he was a bit overwhelmed. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah. The vampire can't just bite, like it also has to scratch and they also have to have a virus and they also have to have this. So like most of the victims, you're kind of just watching it and you're like, oh my God, you poor sucks. Like it's not simple. Like you can't just be bitten. There has to be four other things that happen to you. <laughs> so mm, yeah, poor sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's very repetitive. Yes, yeah. And it's shot like a sitcom. But without any funny yes, bits Yes, it in is. It. Mm. it absolutely is, yeah. It's got the Lionel Richie Hello Music video look. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Yes, it does. As far as yes. the lighting goes, it is one of the most early 90s things ever. It's... <laughs> I liked yeah. it. The, um, the telly scene was good when he got eaten by the TV. I mean, yeah. it's been done yeah. in many films before it, but it was like, oh, good effort, guys. Oh, yeah, it does get good at the end. The big special effects onslaught is yeah. like when it finally comes to life but it takes ages to get out of first gear so it gets good when your man who's at the bar he's chatting the girls up with loads of just lines he's like i'm a race car driver i'm a, I'm a hollywood agent yeah. i'm this and that and it, my favorite bit is when he's like i'm an fbi agent he's like i'll shut up and he's like no no let's go to the office and it's like oh he is <laughs> and he's been tracking this this spooky woman for, for ages but doing nothing about it just having a lovely time in the mm. bar he's playing um, the long game <laughs> He's playing the really long game. Really, really, like, really yeah. long game. And yeah, they don't survive, which I quite enjoy. I quite like it when I watch a film and no one survives. Yeah, same. You can wipe everyone out, like, that's not an issue to me. Like, I don't need a happy ending. Have you seen Threads? I, <laughs> listen, I fucking love Threads. There we go. Like, I love it yeah. so much. To the point where people are like, why are you happy? Like, watching this film, <laughs> like... She's had a baby, it's a happy occasion. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because I will just sit there with like utter joyful appreciation on my face watching that film. Is your favourite bit Cat Skeleton? That's my favourite bit. <laughs> cat Skeleton. Yeah. The bit where, um, what's his face, talks about how the vampire doesn't cast a reflection. It made me realise no one ever talks about casting a reflection. Only 
not casting a reflection. Oh, that's true. You never stand yeah. in front of a mirror and go, I am casting a reflection. It sounds magical when you put it like that. That's true. I guess it's because it's not out of the ordinary, but not having a reflection is. Yeah, no, I just think like we should popularise... Like, you go to a mirror and you say, I am casting a reflection. Because it's, it's like witchcraft when you put it like that. Yeah, it sounds a bit fabulous. What are you meant to do if you're in the hairdressers? Literally say that for, for however long you're in the hairdressers for. <laughs> you don't have to yes. say it all the time. They think you're mad. <laughs> as soon as you sit down, just see what yeah. the hairdresser says. You say, I shall now cast my reflection. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm casting my reflection. Like, can you move your head, please? Or I'm going to cut your ear off. But I'm casting a reflection. What about when they put the mirror on the back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The back of my head is casting a reflection. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, I like it. Yeah. Moving on to 1995's Vampire in Brooklyn, directed by Wes Craven and starring Eddie Murphy and also co-written by Eddie Murphy. And we've also got a person from uh, Death in Temptation in this film. Kendam Hardison, the guy that gets sucked into the TV. He's the guy that becomes the vampire's familiar who gets all this... Julius. Luke, that's an acting fact. That's better than my acting fact. No, you haven't. Well, he's good in it. He's very he's, good in He's it. actually good in both films. Let's, let's he is good it. in both, yeah. He's better than Eddie Murphy with the comedy in this one. Oh, yes, Eddie I Murphy's know. trying to do drama, though, isn't he? He's like, mm. I'm going to be a real actor in this obviously comedy film. What really surprised me is the best part of it, the bit that I enjoyed the most, is the bit where Eddie Murphy goes undercover under heavy prosthetics as two other characters. Yeah. As if yeah, this was yeah. fucking, you know, the clumps or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was so confused when he started doing that. So it does make me think, well, would I enjoy, like, you know, The Nighty Professor and um, all no, these no, films you, where he does No, no one no. enjoys that. No. no. They should have just let Eddie Murphy do his improvising bits like happens in, like, the, the particularly great movies that he's made, like the older ones, like Trading Places and Coming yeah. to America. There's obviously a few bits where the director's gone, all right, this is what's happening in this scene. Let's see what you come up with. And presumably they use, like, the best bit. He could have done that as a vampire and it would have been funny, but he's... No, it's not. Though apparently this was written as like a straight horror movie. Yeah. I think that's the thing that annoys me is that it plays out as, as parody at first. Uh, yeah, with Julius and his uncle, yeah. And then it just sort of just stops being like that and gets a bit too serious. What I want to know is, you know when Julius gets his little reward at the end and he becomes a vampire? Yeah. Why does his accent change to Eddie O'Murphy's accent? Because he goes from like New York to Eddie O'Murphy. Eddie O'Murphy. No. Eddie O'Murphy. <laughs> yeah, he, go, he goes from New York to Eddie O'Murphy. Hello there, I'm a vampire. As were. As were. Don't you know? No, his, his accent. He's like, there's a new vampire. And I can't do. It. It's going to yeah, go Irish. Yeah. Imagine I'm doing a sort of West Indies Jamaican accent. Hello there. As if there, yeah. there's a new vampire in town. So it is, and his name is Julius. Okay. To be sure. To be sure. That's yeah. that's both that's <laughs> Southern Ireland, Northern Ireland, and then a little trip to Scotland at the end there. Yeah. I like I like to travel. Yeah. It's good to have a, an accent that fits all parts of that bit of the Irish Sea. I think one of the worst things he did with that film was not make it a parody. I think it would have been quite groundbreaking at the time if he would have done that and it might have been like a predecessor to Scary Movie. But um yeah. it's a bit like bones in that way. Like, it's your standard vampire film, but a little bit, what studio execs would say, urban. It's one of those films which is a fun watch if you can't decide what to watch. Ah, uh, put that on. And then, like, you scroll through your phone. Oh, it's got a great opening with this ship crashing into the uh, Yes, the, the opening. That's, that's a really impressive start. And, um, yeah, it's pretty much downhill from there. I think the, <laughs> the, the, the yeah. most unrealistic bit in it is where Julius 
turns up the volume on Prey by MC Hammer saying, ah, oh, that's the good shit. Like, no, <laughs> like, no, nobody has not. ever thought that Prey by MC Hammer is the good <laughs> no, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like that's the only song that they could afford the rights to, was like, oh, Prey by MC Hammer. <laughs> well, I don't know, you have to pay Prince royalties for that. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Did he does. write it? Did Prince write it? Nah. No, it sampled one of his songs. Oh, no, Eddie Murphy was friends with Prince, though, so maybe he got it for free. Well, wouldn't Prince have given him a better song than Pray by MC Hammer? Ah, because he didn't like him that much. Because he read the script and went, mate. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, But it's not all vampires. There's another major black horror villain in town in the shape of Clive Barker's creation, Candyman. Uh, We've looked at the 1992 film and the new sequel that came out this year. I watched that three and a half hour documentary about folk horror, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, the other week, which is brilliant. Oh, I really want to. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It, 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 tr- it counts um, Candyman as an example of American folk horror, which I, I don't know. Would you call it folk horror, Sampira? Mind you, that documentary does also say that Bagpuss is folk horror. So, oh, I know there's some weird things in Bagpuss, but how is it folk horror? I wouldn't say it was folk horror, but I would say it was hauntology. But then I, I'm saying that because I'm someone who remembers it from watching it as a very, very small child and having the bits of it, even the bits that are kind of like dark and messed up, sort of imprinted on my brain. But I wouldn't necessarily say it was folk horror. You could make a case for Candyman being folk horror, though. I'd say Pingo is more folk horror. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How is Pingu folk horror? Such a supportive friend, Emily. You just, you just support that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Have you not seen the uh, Pingu's Dream episode? Well, let's face it, anything could be folk horror. The Candyman reminds me of the Gollum, actually. Like, a different rendition of the Gollum. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I see what you mean. As in Judaism, yeah. not so, Lord of the Rings. No, it, yeah. So, like, the Jewish folklore of the Gollum. Candyman is sort of like this enveloping force that attaches itself to people that have been wronged. Or in the new one, much like the Golem, be some sort of symbol of protection for a neglected community. I think the big question about the original is, you know, the graffiti artist Sweets, who um, tags his name in human shit in the bathroom. Um, Do you think he did a lot of tagging? Because it seems like a lot of effort. (laughs) (laughs) No, maybe one and or two a year, maybe. He had a really yeah. poor diet. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think he misunderstood the word aerosol? Yes. Possibly. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I think you've topped the year with your worst slash best joke ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the idea in the sequel, in the new sequel, that there are candy men. But I, I just mm-hmm. wish the film was longer and like those ideas were a bit more fleshed out because it was it just felt a bit rushed. I think at ninety minutes, it's got flashes of bits that are absolutely brilliant though. Mm. I love the camera work. I love a bit where the guy's walking down through a tunnel and the camera kind of like spins and it all mm-hmm. feels kind of disorientating. And yeah. the bits with the shadow puppets are great. I love all the kills where you can only see Candyman killing the person in the mirror image. Yeah, and that, in, that the, was in the real world, they're, they're yeah they're being thrown around by an invisible force. It's great. The woman being killed in her apartment and the camera pans. Yeah, oh, yeah. and it pans all the way out. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous. I really like the shot where the woman's gone into the bathroom and you see him seeing Candyman in the mirror and then she opens up the door being like, are you okay? Yeah. Mm. And then you look in the mirror and he's just peeking around the tiniest bit and it's quite subtle, but it's creepy. Very, very well directed, that film. Um, Nia DaCosta's Candyman sequel was famously produced by Jordan Peele, who's directed two socially conscious horror movies of his own so far, including, of course, the excellent Get Out. Everyone loves Get Out, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like saying it in various tones, like, get out. 
Get out. Yeah. Get out. Do you want to watch Get Out? Do you want to watch? Oh, Get Out. Um, so it's just layers and layers of entertainment for me. It's a really good film and also a fun way to pass the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. One thing I noticed watching it this time around is how clever it is that there's this exposition dump at the end where they explain the whole procedure and everything. Mm-hmm. There's a nice sort of throwaway line. Uh, we have to tell you this because it makes the procedure more effective. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Explain why they're doing the explanation. Maybe if James Bond villains were all like, I'm going to tell you all about my plan to kill you and give you 30 seconds. Because Cause you'll be even deader if I do this. If I tell Maybe you that's in their sort of fake moral consciousness popping in because you know they're all like my father would have voted for obama three times if he could kind of thing yeah 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 that line's quite sinister in a way because i think Mm. i think one of the readings of get out is the unsafeness of white spaces which Mm. is why a lot of black people really related to it i mean even like lines like that like oh like my dad would have voted for you know obama for a third Mm -hmm. term like there were all those lines where we were like oh yeah we've heard something like that but if you hear something like that like you hear a line like that that isn't like overtly negative or derogatory but it's still one of those weird things where like you're being singled out in some way not that they're being racist to you but that they feel like they have to now perform for you that they're a good white person and how that also can be really fucking cringy when you're in those spaces. But you know that if you say something, or if you're a bit assertive, then you'll be labelled with all the things that we're labelled with. And I feel like that line of, you know, it helped with the operation if we tell you what's happening, there's something really sinister about that, that even if they tell you about the operation and you escape, no one's going to believe you because you're a black person. Um, well, let's move on to uh, Jordan Peele's second movie, Us. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, again, he's saying something about power structures in society, but I think it's veered away from race issues in this one. I don't think it's anything particularly yeah. racially charged. He's saying something. What do you think he's saying? He's saying, I mean, they put a little bit of exposition at the beginning because they're like, oh shit, yeah. no one's going to get this. Uh, tunnels fucking tunnels yeah it's more like a class commentary still about privilege and power structures but i think it's more about class which i was happy for him to do because i think after the success of get out i think everyone was just expecting do another black person film go on yes like that one go on make me feel better make me feel better yeah absolutely like Mm. like a canon of its own where Mm. that would be the Jordan Peele canon, where he would do films like Get Out and he would be the guy that you would go to to watch those kind of films. So for him to do Us and it be so completely different from Get Out and knowing that people would be like, oh, this isn't what I expected. But he's an artist. Of course, he's not going to do the same thing. Bryony, I challenge you to do the rest of this podcast in Red's voice. Okay, can do. (laughs) Oh, no! No, no, it's not actually. Uh, Uh, We'll move on to Antebellum now. Okay, our next film is Antebellum. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't rate it. (coughs) What I was going to say is one that's definitely about the black American experience is this Mm -hmm. year's Antebellum with its unusual structure that manages to cover both the slave era and current tensions between black intellectuals and white supremacists. I think that sums it up, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, I was so confused the first time I watched this. I just could not get a handle of what fuck was going on mm-hmm. and right okay emily you'll remember this do you remember that episode of alexi sales stuff that 
began with five minutes of an episode of Juliet Bravo in a change to the advertised programme. Vaguely, yes. And then about five and a half minutes into this Juliet Bravo scene, the dialogue started to get silly. Mm -hmm. And uh, it became apparent that it wasn't a real episode of Juliet Bravo. Mm. And then I think Alexis Sale walks into shot. And And someone goes, who is that fat bastard? Um, Probably, yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I vaguely remember that. Antebellum is like that for 40 fucking minutes before <laughs> yeah. she starts getting to the point. Yeah. I think that's what I liked about it, though. I'm still, I am utterly confused by it. But when that phone started ringing and then Ooh. it goes to her just being sat at her computer and then... And someone says, who's that fat bastard? <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> throughout, throughout the whole film, you keep on seeing the other characters like from the slavery stuff like when she gets taken in the car mm. there's the man in the back um, and there's just all those things and then when it actually finally goes back to the phone ringing and it's the man going to his horse being like what are you calling me for it's three in the morning and I was like what is happening why is <laughs> what time are we meant to be set in right now it's much better it's... watching it a second time but but is it a good film if it makes no sense and you can't get into it the first time you watch it I, th- I don't know. It's the first film in a long time that has sort of surprised me. Yeah. I'm confused, but with that turn, I wasn't. that's something I wasn't expecting. And I think it's quite clever with the way it does that, because this whole time you think you're watching a film about slavery, and then yeah. it switches it up to go to modern time, and you're like, okay, now it's going to speak about things in modern time as well. And then when it switches back to you, you're like, I don't understand what's going on, but it's quite interesting mm. the way that they've done it. I knew what this film was doing, and it's very, very fucking clever, but I can imagine that it's very inaccessible to a lot of people because the way in isn't gentle, so you're kind of muddled all the way through. Well, the way in is, is just a really, like, you know, it's billed as a horror, but it's, it's basically a very realistic um, realistic retelling of, you know, slavery and cotton mills and, you know, plantations. Yes. And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's just a very Absolutely. harsh 40-minute long drama, basically, about how horrific it is. Absolutely. And and not particularly original or interesting. No. no. There's lots of black creatives. There's lots of black actors and producers and writers and whatever. We could probably spare, like, a few years, like, not having a slave film. We're all sort of at a point consuming art where we're like, yeah, slavery was painful. And it's actually painful sitting watching a slavery film it's the same as sitting watching a holocaust film like you know that it's going to be traumatic you know it's going to be devastating and it's like do we really need these every year says the woman who gets a nice laugh out of watching threads oh i love threads threads is great threads is great but it doesn't all have to be serious. Sometimes it can just be about killer hair extensions. <laughs> oh, Bad hair. I loved from, this from film. From yeah, I, I did. So did I. So much fun. Yeah. So brilliant. good. I wish I, wish, I wish I loved it. Oh, a controversial opinion. Oh, Luke. I, so I, I really like every single person that's in it. Yeah. yeah. The opening of it's really good. Yeah. But I think the... um. The bad effects like ruined it for me. Mm. Like, oh, I love the bad, bad effects. Was, was the witchy but, hair not real enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that I, th- yeah. I think the thing that annoyed me is because it's trying to be like XT hair extensions. Yeah. Yes. The thing that annoyed me is it does an exact shot from that. Mm. So I think like it's a good idea, but it feels like it's not completely original. It's yeah. fun. It is fun still, but I just didn't love it as much as I hoped I would because a film about hair extensions and yeah, then brilliant. starting killing people, <laughs> that should be amazing for me, but mm. I just I just didn't get me as good. It's so genius because I've said for years, why is there not a black horror film about hair and like hair extensions or like braids? Because it's such a huge thing in like black culture of like weaves and wigs and 
and braids and stuff like that. I was like, why has nobody done this before? I agree, the effects are like questionable. But I did like this film and I thought it was super fun. And it reminds me of that Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, mm. <laughs> where Homer, where Homer gets snake hair. Oh, he gets the wig. And he, yeah, and he gets the wig and it ends up being snake's hair. Yeah. And he ends up trying to kill Bart. <laughs> like, that's, that's what this, that's what this film reminds me of. I love the way that the film, um, again, like Slumber Party Massacre, it, it goes through so many different tones. Yeah. Like, it's a history lesson about late 80s mm-hmm. uh, racial politics in the music TV industry. It's, mm-hmm. it's a stupid film about killer hair extensions. It's a possession movie. It's it, When it goes full on monster movie at the end and the effects, yes, they look bad. But at that point, it's being funny. I think with the effects being a bit shonky, it kind of leans into the kind of camp elements of it. Which yeah, is kind of I interesting, agree. like you were saying, Cliff, with like the different levels of what's going on. So when you see what she's gone through to get the um, the weave put in and the pain that she's going through, oh, you really horrible, feel that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you've also got this brilliant satire of what MTV is like. And you've got the dad that's got his book about folklore and how there's like the, there's the story about the, the woman taking the bits of the tree to be her hair. It's yeah, it's it's many layers and it's um it's well worth a watch. And. The fact that it's silly, it just makes it better. Bad Hair is a clever film with a silly monster. Our second feature also has a very silly monster, but it's pure dirty exploitation. (laughs) It's Chester Novell Turner's 1984 shot on video effort, Black Devil Doll from Hell. And unsurprisingly, there's no trailer for this. So instead, let's just vibe out for a moment to the title music. I'm Leslie Nielsen, and I'm here to say I'm the Queen of the USA. Favourite bits coming up. Stop it. So, stop it. You know that music? When when I was a kid for birthdays, we had a big Yamaha keyboard. And my mum used to pretend she could play the keyboard, but it was just Mm. by pressing the button that plays the song. That's what that guy Mm. sounds like he's done, that he's put the sample music on and he just presses... The drum every now and again, little yeah. three, and then you the press drum. another button and it goes. Doo, 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 doo. The demo modes are much better on those things than than that. That rubbish. <laughs> what it reminds me of is, I think my most embarrassing moment ever at school was when I was doing GCSE music, and uh, there was a big concert that all the parents were coming to, and uh, anyone who's yeah you know, written a piece of music for their their project mm-hmm. uh, would it would get played. Mine was entirely pre-recorded synth piece with lots of loops it was called i think the name of it was unimaginatively eight minutes 11 because that had fucking long lasted. <laughs> and it wasn't much different from that that black devil doll theme and it just went round and round in a long old loop and every time it sounded like it ended, <laughs> the audience would clap and go yay and then their clapping and cheering would get more sarcastic every time <laughs> because it was just going on and on and on until i was like just curled up in a ball in my chair going fucking hell why did I make this so long and repetitive it's so boring <laughs> what, what did I think I was doing do you know what you could probably dig that out put that on cassette now it'll sell out in Belgium yeah <laughs> they'd love it anyway three minutes 15 of that the opening title. oh it's long oh, is isn't it long? it's yeah. very yeah. long we get to know the entire cast and all of their favourite things and before we've even you know, seen them. 
Top Trumps, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they were a biscuit, what kind of biscuit would they be? Please kill me now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's finished. No, it's going to start again. Fuck. Yeah. Sorry, the more we talk about this film, the more I'll have flashbacks. To the film, not to anything that's actually happened to me. And then eventually it cuts to the church where the priest appears to be voiced by Charlie Brown's teacher. Yeah. yeah the sound on this is so bad. I think my favourite bit of sound is the woman's like, I've just got to tell you a story about this doll. And then the music goes yeah. boom yeah. Over, the, over the top of her speaking. I can't hear the story. <laughs> I like the bit where the woman's talking to her friend about, hey, you're going to join me in church? And everything's happening via ADR. I don't think it is. I think the woman on the other end of the phone was standing next to the camera. She's definitely in the same room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She yeah. just picked up the phone and, and then the woman's just shouting across the room. Oh, going, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I made the assumption because it doesn't fit in with what's happening on no. the scene. And also, and also the camera just turns to the wall for no reason. Yeah. And you can make out like one word in ten of what's being said. Well, well there's two things going on there. One is that the director is showing you that this, this woman, Helen Black, which sounds like Helen Back, ah. um, is a devout Christian because her house is completely filled with Christian artifacts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other thing is, he was just practicing how his camera works. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think most people would do that before they started shooting. I remember but... a school trip to Devon in about 1988 where one of the teachers brought a video camera which was the size of a fridge and let us all have a go at it. And then we had to watch the video back when the next time there was a parents' evening. And most of the footage was just all the kids had done the same thing. We'd all borrowed the video camera, gone outside, zoomed in on the dead mouse in the car park. There were so many clips of the dead mouse. It was a little bit like that. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> A simpler time. No no bums or willies, just dead mice. It reminds me of, um, have you seen the Poughkeepsie tape? Yes. The film yeah. yeah, it reminds, it kind of reminds me of that, like... Like Emily's dead mice or the, the <laughs> devil doll. Both, both. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, it kind of reminds me of that. And I was watching this film and I was like, is this supposed to be fan footage? Or <laughs> hmm. you, you thought this was deliberately? Yes, like made, I was like, is this, this thought he was an author and he made a choice? Nah. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. I was like, is this supposed to be fan footage? But like, you're making the brave choice of not telling us why it's fan footage, <laughs> like why they haven't found, you know, the tape or you know whatever it is. Like what? But it, yeah, like the quality of it reminded me of the Poughkeepsie tapes massively, and the puppets creepy. I've got to give him credit for that. It is creepy. It's just, it's Dummy, dummies are like naturally creepy. Mm. I think he made the brave decision of putting in people that had never had a human conversation before as his lead actors. (laughs) (laughs) That shop thing when she goes in, you go into a shop, you go, all right, right, I'm just browsing. She's like, can I help you? No, I am just looking. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, why is it? What? And then she's like, doll. She's like, that doll has a history behind it. <laughs> and you think she would have said more about the doll as a warning and sort of like, oh, hey, don't get too close. Instead, said it's like, yes, uh, yeah, you're yeah. going to fuck a puppet. You're going to fuck yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to try yeah. and fuck you and you're going to like it and it's going to be like, really And the squeaky. real horror is that you'll never get better than a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I fucking love a puppet. Once you've had puppet, you can't go back. Um, <laughs> you can't go back. Why did they not puppet. produce any merch? They, they totally should have released a puppet sex toy. 
because this is like the best advert. He had a wonderful tongue. The only warning the shopkeeper gives her is that doll always, always makes its come. way back to the shop. <laughs> wow. As if they're in a weird like swingers relationship oh. that like she's into this. That she just lets the puppet go yeah, and fuck yeah, people. Yeah. I think the best part about this film is I was watching it and um, I was like, this is fucking awful. This is like, that. what was that, that devil film that was made in someone's attic on a video camera that we watched a couple of years back? Oh, Suffer Little Children. Oh, I love Suffer Little Children. But with that one, A, there isn't the whole someone gets fucked or gets raped by a puppet and then discovers... Mm-hmm. That, Just as they, well, they're all fucking 10 years old in that film. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And also the, the dialogue that you can't quite hear. Well, the dialogue yeah. is what I think turned it around for me because um, the puppet whacks her over the head. Mm. And then out of nowhere, this beautiful Muppet's voice goes... How'd you land that bitch? <laughs> oh, it's Fuzzy Bear! Fuzzy Bear! <laughs> and then the next scene is him just going, Bitch! Bitch! Yeah. It's literally just that. Bitch. Imagine being the person that does the voiceover. Bitch. Literally, that's yeah. all we did. However many years it took to make this film. The director's like, improv a bit, mate. Like, you, it's a puppet. It's a fucking... It's a horny devil it's puppet. It's a rapey puppet. Yeah, Bitch. it's a rapey puppet. Bitch! <laughs> it's like bitch. Terry Terry from Rick and Morty, where he's like, he can't prove anything to say <laughs> other than bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like... I'm gonna uh, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. My favourite line is where Helen says, I've been with men, several to be exact. <laughs> you know when she when she gets knocked over the head? They use a child for like a part of the film. Mm-hmm. It's just her yeah. walking down a corridor. It goes black and white and a child just jumps on her back. <laughs> yeah. And then the puppet, it's like a child's arm opening up the kitchen. I drawer. thought that was quite clever oh, actually. And that's supposed to be the puppet. I thought that was quite a clever workaround because your puppets don't have hands. They did that in child, Child's Play as well. Uh, they even do it in the new Chucky TV series. Yeah, yeah I don't think do. it's a child but it's like a small person. So sometimes you can see, like, just this little small person running around in these fucking dungarees, being like Chucky stunt double. <laughs> in this movie, isn't the child that's used? Wasn't it like the nephew of the director or something? Oh, yeah, no, it was very. Probably. It was very like close knit. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if everybody that was in that film was like, fr- like he'd done like a Peter Jackson and just got his mates. Yeah. Like Peter Jackson did in Bad Taste, but Bad yes. Taste is like mm. infinitely better. Mm. Than this film. Do you reckon this tape was submitted to children's services after a while? Potentially. <laughs> 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 I had to turn the volume down during the dubious rape scene just in case the neighbours mm. thought that I had the world's most annoying keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> they remade this in 2007. Yes, they did. I haven't seen the remake. Really? Yeah, there's a remake yeah. called Black Devil Doll. Yeah. Yeah, I've not I've seen, seen it. it. Yeah, I did read about that. Isn't it like a piss takey kind of remake, though? That's yeah. sort of satirical. Yeah, like a parody. So it's not as serious as this film? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have the artistic integrity. Of- the thing about this film is that I was reading the plot for it and then I watched it and I was like, wow, like he's serious. He was like, yeah, I'm going to make a serious film about a puppet that's demonically possessed and it's like a sex demon because there was like a mini trend of sex demon films like there was Abby where like the lead character was this church going black woman and she's like in a relationship or whatever and she gets possessed by a sex demon and becomes like a sex pest so there was like this this weird like mini trend I mean Abby's quite a fun little film though Um, that's quite an interesting one Abby because we did Exorcist ripoffs ages ago and it's got a much more interesting and kind of clever and thoughtful approach to female sexuality than all the many many Italian Exorcist ripoffs which are just like (laughs) ladies vaginas bad yeah (laughs) 
yeah abby's really good but this director genuinely sat down and was like i'm going to do a film about a sex demon possessed puppet who rapes people mm. and i've got a casio keyboard and it's gonna be serious <laughs> i couldn't believe it i was like i thought it was gonna be a comedy and then I watched it and I was like 20 minutes through and I was like, oh no, he's serious. I like it. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad that it's good. It is so bad it's good. It's bottom of the barrel like trash. <laughs> it's not just that it's, oh, 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 oh this, is, this is bad, it's funny. It's like so impressive just how inept and incompetent it is on every single level. Yeah. I just, I just can't take my eyes off it. The first time I watched it, Admittedly, it was about four in the morning. Mm-hmm. I found the last half hour quite dull. Once she loses the puppet and starts trying to sleep with other men. And goes around the house just going, puppet. Even that, the bit where she's in the bar and she goes off with some bloke to the dance floor and then inexplicably the whole rest of the punters in the bar all go and follow her onto the dance floor. Oh, I skipped that because it takes like 15 minutes. It takes forever. Yeah, I skipped through. It's like there's no sound. But then I realised, hang on, are they dancing to the... Is this what they're dancing to in the bar? <laughs> in the world of this movie, there is only one piece of music and also the, well, that and the shit song that gets played halfway through. I have a genuine soft spot for the music that he's done for this film because it reminds me of like old school, start of the 90s, hip-hop tapes, like horrorcore hip-hop tapes <laughs> where they were like recording in someone's basement but also had, like, a cardboard box over their head to, like, stop the echo. Yeah. So I do have, like, yeah, I have, like, a genuine soft spark for the bass line in that. It has Helen delivering a Rosemary's Baby line. She says, oh, does it? this can't be happening. This isn't oh, yeah. real. Her delivery of the line is so different, I didn't even notice. <laughs> well, it's very similar to her next morning going, that didn't happen. That wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like she forgets her lines at points because mm-hmm. it leaves that silence and it's like her almost saying to someone, oh, what's the next line? Because there's that whole part where the guy is like selling stuff from his car oh, yeah. and he says, hey, mama, to her. And she takes <laughs> she takes way too long. They see no cause to edit that out. Keep it. It's raw. No, it's real. they're fine. <laughs> Puppet got all of his lines. He didn't falter once. The guy that was the salesman, I wonder if with him they were like, okay, improvise. And he's improvising, but he's really nervous. So what he can do is go, hey, mama. Hey, mama. Hey, mama. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she does fuck him in the end, though. So, you know. Well, yeah. yeah. I admire the, the chutzpah of anyone getting a film like this made on a micro budget, never mind in 1984. And yeah. it's kind of like, I'll oh, bless him for trying. But at the same time, I never want to watch it ever again because it did give me the ick. <laughs> I'm calling back to my old art projects because once I made a giant two-legged pig sculpture. And oh, nice. my tutor at the time came to see it in my studio. And I was mm-hmm. like, here it is. It's finished. And it was like bright pink. I painted a house gloss paint. And he looked at it and he went, ah, oh, Bryony, I love it. It's just so shit. <laughs> wow. And that's how I feel. Like, John, my Campbell shooter, would react to this film. <laughs> now for something even scarier than a puppet watching you wank in the shower. Let's play Scary Noises. <laughs> so... This is how we play this. There's six pairs of clips from horror films. One half of each pair will be from a film we've talked about on this show. And Sampira, you're on a team with Bryony. You're against Emily and Luke. Amazing. And what is your buzzer noise? It's an, an actual, actual buzzer. buzzer. <laughs> Here's your first pair of scary noises. There's a ghost in my house. I saw her in the water beside me in the bathtub. <laughs> 
Oh my god, I'm glad you're not Why are you just going when you've got those wonderful plastic balls to bang together? <laughs> Friday. Uh, the dialogue is from What Lies Beneath. It is, well done, yeah. And the music. The music. music sounded good, so it's, it's not from a lot of them. Um, <laughs> Is the music from his house? It's not from his house, no. Luke and Emily, can you get the music? There's a ghost in my house. I saw her in the water beside me in the bathtub. What does she look like? She looked like me. Oh, only she had green eyes. Any idea who she is? Maybe, but I'd rather not say just yet. No, oh, I don't know. It sounds like it's from Antebellum from the opening. It is from Antebellum. Yeah. Oh shit! Oh, well done. All right, um, number two. We're talking about Jesus. Yes, Emily. The dialogue is from Vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah. Did you by any chance get the music? I did my usual um, getting excited about getting one thing right <laughs> thing from no. The music just went. <laughs> is it Umbop by Hanson? <laughs> Death metal version. Sam, Fira and Bryony, can you get the music? We're talking about Jesus. Jesus said and Jesus went. Jesus heard and Jesus walked over. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, I don't want to talk about Jesus this evening. Because as the big man teaches us, it's two sides to every story. Not one, but two. It's one of those spooky films. Something like Insidious or Sinister or something like that. Or The Conjuring. The Conjuring, yeah. No, nothing of the sort. It's oh. uh, One Cut of the Dead. Not seen it, so I'm okay with that. I'll let that go. <laughs> I don't even remember that score. Yeah, it's a really good score. Uh, number three. Maybe something warm to push away such unpleasantries. Don't you want to hear about it? She was your wife. I think you've mistaken me for someone else. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Yes. It's the music. Again, it's, it's, you, you do have a buzzer. But, you, know, you just go ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. So Crazy Frog's on the, uh, on the episode today. <laughs> <laughs> crazy Frog is a guest. <laughs> it's the music from Get Out. It is, yeah. Yeah. And uh, did you get the dialogue? No. That's your wife. Something about your wife. Is it... Um, your spooky wife? <laughs> <laughs> it's not your spooky wife. Subtitle, she is too spooky. <laughs> too spooky for you. <laughs> too spooky for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luke and Emily, you should easily be able to get the dialogue. Maybe something warm to push away such unpleasant truths. Don't you want to hear about it? She was your wife. I think you've mistaken me for someone else. I'm just the bartender. Oh, yeah. Just Lloyd the bartender, pouring joy at the Overlook Hotel. Oh, Pour whatever uh, you like, Mr. Torrance. Dr. Sleep. It is, yeah. Dr. Spook. <laughs> Too sleepy for you. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife is so tired. <laughs> well, halfway point three two to Luke and Emily. Number four. Patrizio wrote about three mothers lost in time, predating all. Yes, Bryony. The music is 
Candyman, the 2020 whatever music. It is, yeah. And the dialogue is three mothers. Uh, there's three of them. I don't know. Um, I, I did an Emily and got excited. Look at Emily, can you get the dialogue? Patrizia wrote about three mothers lost in time, predating all Christian invention. Oh, for fuck's sake. I know what it is. Mother Tenebrarum, Mother Lacrimarum, and Mother Suspiriorum. Yep. That's the Suspiria remake. It is. Number five. The man I've been with don't seem to be able to turn me on. But I know who came. Definitely. Dialogue is Black Devil Doll. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> you can go for the obvious. Hello, bitch. <laughs> no, I thought I'd go for one of the greatest pieces of conversation. <laughs> the chemistry between these two actors is incredible. And the music? Uh, I don't know. Malignant. No. Difficult one, actually, the music. But, um, Bryony and Sampira, can you get this? The man I've been with don't seem to be able to turn me on. But I know who can. I've been told that I've got a way with the ladies. You're not doing anything for my reputation or ego. That's because I wasn't trying to. I was only trying to satisfy my sexual needs that I had been suppressing foolishly for all these years. Oh, it was beautiful. I can't um, concentrate. <laughs> where's their Oscar? Yeah, yeah. What was it? What's the the one that everyone likes and I don't like? And it's all like triangly and it's Canadian. Oh, Neon Demon. No. Oh. I mean, that could work as well. Is it the, the evil triangles of Canada? The void. Is it too triangular for you, eh? They're all trapped in a hospital <laughs> and it's the like, void. oh, it's a spooky. That's the, the void, void, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's the woman. Oh, well, I got half of it, right? Is that oh. half a point? Well, the, the, the. the. <laughs> Five, three to Luke and Emily. So, Sampir and Bryony, you could still win if you get both halves of this, which oh is God. very unlikely. Yes, Bryony. Well, the dialogue's Blackula. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going out in a blaze of glory. I want that point. Um, I don't know what the music is. I don't know. Some type of vampire film, but I don't know which one. Is it? <laughs> Have you done something clever here? Have you got a vampire film of a vampire film? Yeah. Is it some kind of hammer vampire film? <laughs> well, I don't mind giving you a clue that if you didn't know mm-hmm. from the title, you would think that it was a vampire film. Is it? But it isn't. Oh. Uh, oh. That's not a clue. That's a cryptic. Um, yeah, that is. Well, and what what word comes after cryptic? Clue. Clue. Okay. <laughs> is, that, is that the name okay. of the film? Is it Clue? Uh, it sounds like a vampire film, but it's not a vampire film. Blood Gate. <laughs> it's not Bloodgate. Um, Luke and Emily, did you get that? Um, it's it's not a vampire film, but it sounds like it. Is it Thirst? No. Bollocks. Uh, it's it, uh, um, well, Paul Blart, Molcott, and um, Bats. <laughs> bats. <laughs> Is it too bitey for you? <laughs> too bitey. Too, too bitey. Ow, stop it. Bloodsucking freaks. Oh. oh. Okay. oh. Uh, so, five, four to Luke and Emily. Well done. Well done. <laughs> 
we're not finished yet. First, a shout out to listener Samash Muller, who's Spotify wrapped. Uh, said that he listened to 5,692 minutes of Devil Times <laughs> 5 in 2021, wow. which is incredible because we've only put out 4,750 minutes. Uh, <laughs> wow. I wonder if Samash is short for Samashikist. <laughs> Samashikist, that's very good. Thanks, dude. And so we reach the end of another year of horror. As is tradition, let's quickly, very quickly run through our highs and lows of 2021's new releases. Sampira. Obviously, you've only been here this month but um, with us, but what is your high and low of 2021's new releases? Highs did enjoy Candyman. I thought they would, Nia DaCosta was trying to do or hit a lot of ground and a lot of themes in 90 minutes. So anything didn't really get fully explored, but I really liked that. I quite liked Halloween Kills as well, actually. Um, oh, wow. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't mind it. Um, Lows. I don't know. I didn't watch much horror this year that I didn't like, to be honest, which is quite rare. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Luke? Um, so my low is uh, Great White. Um, I'm fed up of bad shark movies. Now, <laughs> and what have you chosen for us to watch oh, next oh. month, Mr. Poulton? Um, yeah, Jesus. I did that on purpose. But Cheeky Great bounce. White is... Um, <laughs> It's, it's really annoying people um, having conversations for most of the movie. The shark looks terrible and the shark roars, which sharks can't do because they don't have the organs <laughs> to, to roar. The roar organs. So it'd be like... So angry. Too roary for you. <laughs> Sorry. And then my high um, is A Quiet Place uh, 2. Um, oh, okay. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh Thought it was one of the. I saw it as a double bill, so it was really good to see them back to back. And I just, it's very suspenseful. Had me on the edge for most of the film. And yes, yeah, that's my. When you say on the edge, <laughs> on the edge, and me on the edge of your seat, of your seat, on the edge. I was on the edge of my seat. I wasn't just good. Me. I'm good. Not on, you weren't edging. Good. I'm not having a breakdown <laughs> in the cinema. Not again. <laughs> uh, uh, low Halloween kills. <laughs> Evil dies tonight. What else do you have to say? Um, hi, sensor, lovely, weird, beautiful, spoopy, colours, noises, all the things yeah. I like. Done. Emily? I have not watched that many new releases this year and sensor is one of my highlights, so I'm a little bit like... Uh, I'm going to say In the Earth because, you know, it's probably the most predictable thing that I would just like, oh, there's, is there a Ben Wheatley film? Is it folk horror <laughs> Yeah, damn right I'm going to choose that as one of my highlights. He makes them just for you. He makes them just for me. That's right. Those have been my two highs, Sensor and In the Earth. Um, I didn't watch any crap horror movies that were made this year, but I've watched some that were made in previous years. Lucky so. old you. Um, my high is uh, Shadow in the Cloud, the excellent Second World War airplane set monster movie. And my low is The Bloodhound, the fucking annoying hipster mumblecore adaptation of The Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, so highs of Candyman, Halloween Kills, Quiet Place 2, Sensor, um, In the Earth and Shadow in the Cloud. And our lows, Great White, Halloween Kills <laughs> um, and The Bloodhound. There we go. Right, a couple more things still to do. Firstly, Sampira, thanks for coming on the show. We hope you enjoyed messing about with Thank us. Thank you for having me. Where can me. people see your various creative outputs? Um, Instagram, Sampira. And then uh -huh. Twitter is Samo, S-A-M-O. Underscore, 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 Samo. Yes. And then I think there will be articles popping up through the year because I think I'm going to go back to writing like the first half of the year. You write for Fangoria sometimes, I do, you? yeah, I do. So I'll probably write some more for them in the new year, hopefully. Cool. So keep your eyes okay. peeled. 
Nothing will do. And finally, we've got to sort out what we're doing next month. Uh, Luke's picked sharks as the theme, <laughs> and the shallows as one of our features. So, well, uh, Luke and Emily, you won um, Scary Noises. So, Emily, do you want to pick another feature to go with the shallows? Um, can we have the Meg, please? We have the Meg. All right. I just want to focus on Jason Statham going, Megalodon. 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 If it's not just 90 minutes of him saying that and then occasionally punching people, I am going to be a bit sad. Yeah, I'll make my own deep cut of that. And then he calls the shark a slag. Slag, yeah. Then he breaks the fourth wall and calls the audience a slag. <laughs> it's in 3D, so if he doesn't do that in my actual face, then I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> okay, if that doesn't happen, I will also be disappointed. So that's the Shallows and the Meg 3D for next month's features, plus a load more shark movies. And we'll be joined by comedian Nick Coppin for that one. Until then, Happy New Year from all of us, and thanks for listening.